Hey guys, welcome to VS Energy's Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferry, and here with us today is Mark Sankey and Nick Taliska. In today's podcast, we will be discussing energy dashboarding and data analytics. Just to, to start the episode, very broad statement or question, if you want to call it that, and I'll let Nick or Mark chime in. What is energy dashboarding and how does it relate to the building management system and, and the energy podcast as a whole. So uh, from our perspective, energy dashboard, energy dashboarding can provide a number of key functions from high level indicators of building performance uh, adjusted year over year or period over period for compensating for weather changes, et cetera, to providing public facing information like environmental impacts, uh, CO2 reductions, how many trees have we saved? This is equivalent to how many vehicles we've taken off the road, all the way down to, from our perspective, positive things like automated measurement and verification of key uh, building retrofits or uh, modifications. So the dashboard differs from the BMS in terms that it typically aggregates data, performs analyses, and modifies how it's presented for additional action and or simply, as I said, a public-facing portal to show responsible building use. And I would add that dashboarding is not only a tool of the, the facility management team, but has been used in very unique situations to, like I said, get it out to all, whether it's occupants of a building or just different levels of the administration as uh, as part of changing the culture of energy management and uh, good stewardship of the resources. So a lot of interesting applications out there. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, like Mark said, at least on my end, what's very valuable to the dashboard is that it for for i don't know the right when it's needed it it boils the the energy i don't know con- details of a facility down to maybe manageable and easily understandable units for your standard person you know if that's just charts and graphs showing different consumption levels you know month to month or what have you or what we saved compared to or boiling it down to trees saved, gallons of gas, cars off the road, stuff like that. I think that's where it's it can be very valuable, it, you know, to the public public eye or the the non facilities eye too to bring it all. People understand then, or it helps them understand. You know, they don't know what a, how many BTUs were avoided. Maybe they don't care. They don't know what a BTU is, you know, as a unit of energy, but they know cars on the road and gallons of gas and you know, trees. So, well, and especially within the, within the constructs of the organization, there are typically financial managers, environmental managers, environmental health and safety individuals that are looking for specific key performance indicators, KPIs that you, you can very readily provide through the use of a dashboard and data aggregation and analysis. You know, the, finance guy needs to know what should my budget look like next year if it's embedded in a in a um, dashboard there's a you know in dashboards we specify there's typically a budget construction tool 
that allows people to say, okay, if the weather is equal to this year or equal to the average of the last X years, what should my energy spend be based on current energy prices? Mm-hmm. Do some sensitivity analysis and what if fuel prices go up 15% on the, on the petroleum or gas side and they go up 5% on the electric side, what will the bill look like? So you can provide a lot of horsepower in a dashboard that you don't necessarily get in the uh, standard issue BMS systems. Now, is dashboarding, to me, dashboarding in the world of BMS is is very or pretty new, right? I mean, how, you know, I've obviously started in industry where dashboardings have ex- dashboards have existed for the whole time. You know, I'm pretty fresh out of college, but um like, when have you seen dashboards start to become more pertinent, I guess, in industry? Certainly in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Before that, there were always, you know, a stab or a nod towards uh, financial indicators and things like that. But remember, the BMS systems are typically developed, specified, defined by the technical people who are really focused on how well it works and look at all these key, very cool functions, mm-hmm. but not necessarily attenuated to the financial management of a building and, and, or, you know, as the environmental issues came to the surface, the environmental positives, mm-hmm. positive attributes of the BMS, et cetera. So it's really been in the last 10 years and there's a huge spectrum of performance across the, da- in the dashboard world. Um, Dashboards have been used for a long time in the process industries where, you know, even even um, General Electric back in the 80s had red, green, yellow. If you're in green, that means all systems are running. You're at or above your target rate of production. If the yellow light comes on, you better start to look at your process because either there's something out of spec or you're below your target rate of production. And if you're in red, you better really be all hands on deck because there's a there's something way south, way right. sideways that you need to address. Well, yeah, and I think so much has changed with the whole uh, dashboarding with the advent of just how quickly data can move from a point of a point of use, let's say, or down on the factory floor to where it can be turned into something useful that mm-hmm. other people can look at. And I think when we think of dashboarding, everybody thinks of their automobile. But with we're talking about facilities, dashboarding, same concepts, but it's so customizable, like you guys have been talking about, the finance uh, guy or gal wants to look at different things than maybe the production manager does or the facility director. So, and, that, and that's part of the key part about a, a dashboard is uh, designing it so you can quickly see what you need to see at that time. And I got to imagine, um, yes, the quality of dashboard varies, but like Mark said, being... Uh, you know, you're starting to see it 10 years ago in industry. I have to imagine, you know, and we talked about this in our BMS podcast, you know, how quickly building management system technology has advanced. I assume it, you know, it's exponentially. And that goes hand in hand with the dashboarding capabilities, obviously, I would say. So I don't know, we're maybe at a, maybe at a plateau now. I don't know how much more quicker, faster, you know, you need to get information in for dashboarding, but, um, you know, just the, the capability of the building management systems to be able to have these extra data points and aggregate all that data. And like you said, disperse it to where it needs to be for a dashboard. 
happens so quickly now that it makes it so easy to to have an energy dashboard. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're anywhere as near a, a plateau as yeah. far as uh, you know the amount of uh, the amount of good information you can see customized to how you want to see it, and and not only that, but bringing in you know information and data from outside of these native systems that may be in your facilities has definitely been a I don't know a change in the landscape at least how people are using dashboards, yeah. and that really drives you know a lot of the technology behind it. Next, we're going to have AI in dashboards. It'll do it itself. Just going to mention that. And (laughs) not only, so I think uh, both of you guys are right. We haven't reached a plateau in terms of what the technology can do. I think there is definitely a gap in terms of the number of uh, really highly skilled dashboard operators, uh, whatever you'd like to call them that can meld the financial functions, the KPIs all back to the BMS and really understand, okay, if we request a systemic change from the dashboard level, what will that impact? And I think what you'll find is that more and more people will look at that as almost a specialized skill set. There's just not a lot of people out there that can translate from the engineering to the financial at that level or engineering to environmental health and safety. And then also, I think we'll see more evolution, you know, whether you call it the dashboard or the continuous commissioning system of data feedback from the dashboard or continuous commissioning into the BMS to, to act autonomously versus having somebody, you know, go out and make a change. That'll be crazy. But I mean, that's, you know, where we are in the world already, it's, that's got to be a very close horizon. It is. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yep. Yeah. And, and that outlines kind of the main difficulty with the dashboarding is that you still have to turn it into an action, right? It's designed, I guess it can be similar to your automotive dashboard where a lot of people know what the gauges are, but, you know, when and something's out of range or something doesn't look right, they don't know exactly what to do then. So I think having a, a very aesthetic dashboard is just one step that provides the right information but it's still there to serve a different purpose not to just always not just to visualize what's going on out there but you know as we've kind of touched upon help diagnose problems that are occurring anticipate issues that you may have and uh a lot of other different things but there is that that point of action that's also required well, and the dashboard is the, the location where information arrives and then someone has to be the arbiter of what decisions do we make because we have competing objectives. And when I say competing objectives, we have someone who wants to reduce the facility operating cost to the lowest possible level. We have environmental health and safety that wants to keep the building air conditioned, heated and ventilated to make everybody comfortable. So, you know, those two have taken to extremes competing objectives. The guy wants to, or the person who wants to reduce the operating cost, how do we reduce the operating cost? Well, we turn everything off. Well, that's a diametrical opposition to the guy who wants to keep everybody comfortable and safe. So, you know, there's a AI capacity to make those decisions, but right now that falls to the human decision-making process to arbitrate. 
So that's an interesting view that the uh, the dashboard is kind of the primary portal where all this disparate information is being pulled back so people can look at it on a, I don't know, a single version of the truth, if you will. I know they're looking at different things, but that's the the best, quickest way to get information back into everybody's hands and eyes so they can then act upon it. And and I have to imagine that is like one of the, yeah, I don't know what the right word is, but that ha- that has had to change the way some facilities function and communicate and operate, right? Having a, an energy dashboard to have that single point of view from all different eyes or, you know, areas in a facility. Well, with information definitely comes a responsibility to do something with it. So yep. Yeah, from that perspective, certainly. And it, it's interesting where we've installed commission dashboards on multi-building sites that it, typically they can do energy index comparisons, BTUs per square foot, dollars per square foot, heating mm-hmm. BTUs per square foot, dollars per square foot, and you can stack those up and see how buildings perform against each other. That's usually a, a big eye-opener for facilities people because some building that's a middle of the road performer from a BTUs per square foot basis, maybe it excels in, in another area in terms of, you know, it's, it may be the lowest cost to operate, but it's only average in terms of BTUs per square foot. You get to apply a lot of different uh, metrics for comparative metrics to be able to understand where you, you need to speak spend your energy conservation focus and dollars and those kinds of things. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think I want to start talking about like what, what makes a good energy dashboard then if you guys are good with that. It's a great topic. Okay. Okay. So let's dive into then what, what makes a good energy dashboard? Obviously if you aggregate all this data into a dashboard and you don't do it well, it, it could be clunky, confusing. Like anything, if it's hard to use or doesn't make sense, I'm assuming people aren't going to use it, right? So it's got to be pretty streamlined and, and flow well um, visually and you know, information-wise. Like what, what metrics make it good? I, before we even start with what metrics make it good, I think one of the things that we've seen in dashboards we've either specified or commissioned or both is that it be a um, multi-user platform and based on the user level, you know, there's a public facing portion mm-hmm. of the dashboard, the business facing portion of the dashboard and the engineering facing portion of the dashboard so that it allows different users a different representation of the data that's being aggregated the public facing dashboard you know needs to basically show especially in many public facilities that we've done how are the buildings performing from a cost perspective how do we expect them to perform how are they performing year over year you know is it getting better is it getting worse some of that same information is usable for the management level, port, management facing portion of the dashboard, uh, but they may also want to have a more granular view with some data that may only be available on the BMS, but 
again, aggregating it up, but also doing some forecasting, budgeting, and those kinds of things. And then at the engineering level, we've built in things that even allow what if scenarios for certain kinds of retrofits mm-hmm. and or certain building function changes. What if I reduce the average space temperature from 72 to 70 during the winter based on the current operating conditions in the building? What impact will that probably have on my energy consumption? Obviously, it's not a full building model, but you can extrapolate data to be able to take a pretty good swag at what that impact would be. So I think the first thing is recognizing that multiple users at different levels use a dashboard, Mm -hmm. have a certain way they prefer or interact with the data that they're given. And just to clarify, you're saying that in the dashboard, we're going to have maybe a, you know, a username and password for facilities, engineering, public obviously doesn't log in, but like as I log in for wherever my role is in the facility company world, I will see this part of the dashboard compared to maybe what the next guy over in engineering will see. Maybe what the next guy over engineering probably all sees the same, but, uh, so yeah, right. The financial management yeah, yeah, yeah. team wouldn't need to see the same things that the yep. engineering team. Sees. And and that's a way that it could be segregated, though. I'm assuming you know, sure. you you log in with your username and password, and it t- this is what my dashboard looks like compared to engineering's or. Next, you have thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, no, completely. Uh, and that's you know one of the big distinctions between the early generations of of dashboarding, if you will, was right. that you know you had a static view. Mm-hmm. Of, of things and then you had to go someplace else to affect a, a, you know an impact and get a different outcome but now with the interactivity like mark was describing with these dish dashboards and different levels of, of security within the data that's allowable to be viewed it's just clayton like you said that different uh report users have different you know, things they're looking at and different right. reports and pages that are available to them. And it's much more than, you know, logging in and seeing one screen full of data. Yeah. And that's it. There can be multiple pages to it. The drill down, the forecasting, the playing around with different types of scenarios is a, a huge part of it these days. I could make an analogy. Maybe it's like, it's not like everyone's getting plopped into the air playing cockpit and seeing all of the gauges and dials and everything like that, you know, depending on what I know or what I do, I'll see that portion of it or else it probably becomes a little bit overwhelming (laughs) or it can be in a way you don't want to drown in data. Right. Put yourself in a multi-facility campus environment and then say, okay, all of a sudden we're getting more information we need. You would drown in the data. Yep. There are probably individuals that run either quadrants or single buildings or mm-hmm. um, those. Just give me the information about my building. Yep. And then as you aggregate it up, obviously the dashboard can can aggregate, parse, filter, mm-hmm. do what it needs to do to provide the right information to the right. And that's a critical part into this the question that says what makes a good energy dashboard, right? Yes. That's a huge part of it. So what else makes a good energy dashboard now that we took that step back and kind of got covered that and brought ourselves to this point? Well, it has to be correct. I mean, the numbers yeah. are pulling in. <laughs> Very true. Verified because then you're, you're making decisions based on that. 
So the data has got to be right. It's got to mm-hmm. be accurate, reflecting mm-hmm. exactly what's going on there. But, you know, there's also, there is a big design. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but there's, there's a design aspect of it that, you know, I agree with Mark where that that part of it, I think is specialized as well at this point with being able to present and understand what your, your customer, your client not only wants to see, but then working through exactly, well, what else may they want to see that they're not even thinking of at this point. So, you know, the gra- the visualizations and the graphics, you know, there's a whole science to that too, to what makes good graphics. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's books written about what types of charts should not be shown and which are misleading and uh, that don't help the situation. But then you get into, and we talked about a little bit, you know, uh, the comparisons and ratios are, are a big part of it, whether it's looking at what did we do last week or yesterday or a year before to looking at targets, to looking at other buildings with benchmarking and things like that. So, I mean, it is, you know, I know when we'd say dashboarding, everybody kind of in their mind thinks back to that small set of gauges right below their windshield, but right you know, and, and that's, and that's going to change too over time. But mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever driven in one of these, you know, like a Tesla or something. It doesn't even have one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's just incredible. You know, what <laughs> you can pull up on your, on the tablet there, but uh, yep. so customizable, right? I think mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. It shouldn't be a major effort to change what somebody wants to see in a report. Right. And the information needs to be able to be shared as well too. And that's, you know, with a lot of the modern dashboarding applications, you're playing around, you're looking, you're drilling down through a building or a system, and you want to highlight a period in time. Mm-hmm. It's very easy now to share that report with somebody that you want to discuss it with or you know, m- make an action on. But you know, those are the top things that come to my mind. Yeah, no, so, definitely. No, I agree 100%, Nick, and I can't emphasize enough the accuracy and certainly we've had issues where we know we're getting accurate data but then the outfall calculations you know slipped a decimal point or things like that and commissioning a dashboard this is maybe a separate topic is a whole separate animal than just commissioning a bms system because you have to you know verify if there's if they're doing regression analysis is the regression valid or do we build that diagnostic into the dashboard? Accuracy and uh, measurement is step one, but then we need to verify the accuracy of the calculations within the dashboard. And sometimes they're canned calculations that have been reviewed all the way from alpha beta development all the way through testing, but that's not always the case. And the reporting functions extremely valuable, especially sharing and collaboration based on a shared data set that's big. Well, I must say my limited experience with energy dashboarding, one, uh, you know, you're looking at how many gallons of gas or we, you know, we saved and, you know, if you're converting BTUs to gallons of gas, that's a, that's a, that's a real number. You know, I don't know how many BTUs are in a gallon of gas, in a gallon of gas, but that, you know, that exists. And you put a little sensibility to it. Sometimes you're like, this is, this is completely way off. And we found that well, in one. I mean, So now I'll digress a little bit. 
we have commissioned dashboards, you know, across the United States. And in some cases they were maybe not fully developed. And we actually had to speak with the programmers and going through a calculation. I, I said, well, do you know what this MBTU is? Oh yeah. So what is it? Oh, it's a metric BTU. Yes. I said, mm. what? Yeah. I, I said, you can't even Google that and find it. There's no such thing. Oh, what does it mean? I had to go through. Okay. M is, what does it mean? Uh, metric. No. Oh. Okay. I, I'm going to stop now and let you go back and mm -hmm. rethink what you're telling me before we, you know, this kind of leads <laughs> into something that we don't want it to be. Yeah. So there is all, you know, if you ever get to that level, there's a huge disconnect between a programmer and someone who has system yep. knowledge, energy knowledge, um, and can really, you know, determine what the calculation should look like, how they should be built, et cetera. So when somebody says our dashboard is completely customizable, then you need to do a little bit of digging and thought as to whether you want one that's completely customizable or is it actually unfinished yeah and and like I, I don't know i guess to that point if you want to call it that like when you are checking it you do you do need to run it through its paces you need to go through everything to make sure that those calculations and those you know whatever graphs charts anything it does have sensibility because you know and that probably again goes to a commissioning of a dashboard discussion but you know, the raw data, I don't know, probably generally comes in pretty accurate, right? That That's not too difficult to achieve, but it, it's what you do with that data in the dashboard that is very important and needs to be accurate or else it can throw everything out of whack. I mean, just like you said, uh, decimal points and conversion factors, everything. It's so important in a dashboard because what you see then is kind of what you have to work with. No, good point, Clayton. <laughs> and I don't want to, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm rambling or reiterating, but I don't know. It, like to me, that's dashboards are extreme, can be extremely valuable, but they can also, when not done correctly, be very dangerous. Probably give you a false sense of anything. You could think everything's all good when it's not, or everything is going awry when it's not, depending on how how everything's being aggregated and displayed on a dashboard so well no absolutely correct because it is more than just bringing back the raw data and you know for simple if you're you know looking at zone temperature and how far it deviates from a set point that's one thing but if you're aggregating a lot of pumps and towers and something yeah. you have an accurate picture of your chilled water system yeah and maybe you're not exactly picking up the right points. So let's say you don't have a BTU meter. You got to do these calculations based on flow and Delta T and right. uh, yeah, definitely many, many circumstances where you can come back and, and look at a number and, and realize then that it's being calculated off the wrong point. So uh, yeah, whole different science there to yeah. verifying that the data stream is right backwards and forwards. So where does the dashboard start? Like when does that get, in a project, I mean, you, you have to have the foresight to say this BMS or this, whatever we're, we're putting a dashboard in. I don't know. Maybe Mark can talk to that pretty well, but like, when does the process to say we are going to have an energy dashboard start? 
Well, I mean, it, it starts very similar to any project. What does the owner want or need? It's far, it's certainly not my purview to say to an owner, you should have a dentist right. dashboard, mm-hmm. but more to ask perhaps the, the higher level data that could be provided through an energy dashboard would be valuable. And then the questions start, okay, if, if we could do this, do you want it? And you can ask the questions in the form of a checklist or mm-hmm. just an open forum, but basically who would the operators be or who would the owner's representatives be that are using the system and go through the OPR process with them? What would you like to get out of this? And based on that, then you can write a specification or procurement document to say, here's what we want our dashboard to do. And actually, you know, that's a many years ago, not many, seven or eight years ago, we put a project out to bid and, uh, it was a pretty big project that had an energy dashboard with it. And a you know, fortune 500 company was the low bidder and we had a post bid review and they said, yeah, well that, that dashboard spec is, that's not really what we do. We know how to provide dashboards and uh, here's what we'll provide. And it was basically how many trees you save, how much water you reduce, how much energy we produce from our own photovoltaics. And that's about it which was a far cry from the performance specified. And based on that, they were DQ'd. So developing a document that says, here's what I, here's what we want. And I don't care if you just do it as simply as capturing the notes, but the customer needs to have some guidance and we need to ask open-ended questions. Well, would this be beneficial or, or, you know, what kind of KPIs are beneficial to you? Mm-hmm. but that's how it needs to start that makes sense i mean i uh, like for the amount of stuff that can be in an energy dashboard some of it to some facilities is probably irrelevant so yeah you, i guess you do need to go through it's not just a copy paste kind of problem or process you know it's very unique to every facility or facilities if there's, well, there's all- commonalities but certainly yeah. there's there's uniqueness that yeah. is facility or, or organization driven. Yeah. And it can follow, I mean, a long time after the physical project is built, let's say, you know, they don't, at least in my experience, don't always go hand in hand with we're building this new project and we want an energy dashboard. Mm-hmm. That's a good fact, point. Most of the projects I, you know, I, I build dashboards for that are connected to live data sources so they can be, you know, when the data, the trend data is, is acquired, it is instantly pulled into these dashboards. But for years before this, they were using Excel files to manage this. And mm-hmm. you know, 30 to 60 days after they got data, somehow they would, you know, run it through these sequences and issue the reports. Whereas now, as soon as the data is available, it's available to you know, everybody in the organization, depending on what pages they want to see you know, what dashboards essentially are important to them. Mm -hmm. So flexibility, when you start, I think, talking about scoping out, I mean, that is one of the things that, like I said, very different from what they were, you know, even five years ago, to be honest with you, with a lot of these dashboards, where now the important thing is the flexibility of when you write your elements that are going to be on your dashboard or whether they're KPIs or anything, you know, that the, that things will change uh, as the dashboarding needs 
and, and you know evolve and everybody gets familiar with it so the the custom customization of the dashboard is just as important as scoping it out initially at least in my experience there's always some changes that are made oh i think you're exactly right nick i mean as soon as people get an idea an understanding of what the dashboard can do and sometimes it even happens during construction during the time you're putting it in you get the guy who comes in and says wow this is great what if or can i and it it changes that fast so i agree with you the the technology has availed us of opportunities to you know bring data together like never before whether it's from a existing bms or a new bms yeah, I agree with you 100%. So I guess I just, maybe I had a, this just came to mind and maybe you can, I think we've been kind of discussing the difference, but not specifically, but what, like, what is the difference then that between, you know, if I put a brand new BMS building management system in and I had a, a really fancy, nice streamlined graphical user interface for that, right? Like, and then I said, okay, I also want an energy dashboard. Like where, what's the difference between the graphical user interface on my BMS and the energy dashboard? Because they are different things. So I'll go back to the automotive analogy, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you can think of the BMS as the engineering tool, mm -hmm. that's the OBD2 reader that you plug in and get all the granularity of what's going on with the motor. Okay. Yeah. What's going on with the car. And you, you certainly couldn't display all that stuff on your dashboard. So the dashboard is taking that data and giving you the performance indicators that certainly is going the same source that's providing it to the OBD two, mm -hmm. but it's filtering it down and maybe doing some other things with it that are presentable to the user. I mean, that's yeah. as close as I can give you. As no, no, no. That makes sense. I mean, even even for myself, you know, I know cars pretty well, right? But if I plugged into my OBD2 port, there's going to be so much information that just means absolutely nothing to me because I don't know what, you know, you know, you know I got a brand new Volkswagen. There's a lot of stuff going on in there that I don't know about, but I understand my temperature gauge and my oil pressure gauge and you know, tire, tire pressure, like you said, so boils it down to something similar to that. Like, okay, now this is, this is my understanding of it and my overview. Well, and, and, and your Volkswagen, I'm sure also gives you a miles per gallon number. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Drive you're, to empty number. So yep. those numbers yep. are aggregated and calculated based on fuel flow, your average speed, all those things are coming together to give you those performance indicators. That is a great way to bring it down. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Like that's where the dashboard is. That's I care about my distance to empty and what is my average miles per gallon on this trip and what is my instantaneous miles per gallon and all of that. That's yeah. That calculation is happening in the computer from all of these different measurements and variables. And I care about that not everything else necessarily. That's where the dashboard's valuable. Right. right. Yeah. Well, and even having, you know, low and high ranges on your automotive dashboard brings it into dashboard world too, where I guess yeah. 
distinguish between a you know a, a graphical user interface of your system and you can tell what mm -hmm. an air handling unit's doing and what the temperatures are but more of a dashboard element is gonna with you know zone temperatures and things like that give you an idea of when you're out of your operating range where it can be specified based on your zone temperature mm -hmm. parameters that you want to follow so i guess it has that guidepost element yep. to it or sure yeah which is huge obviously some you know on your temperature gauge you have you know red on the hot end so you know okay i'm not in the red this is good or you think in terms of a facility you know manager is looking at a graphics of a of one of his air handling units and and knows from experience and uh you know just his general knowledge that my supplier temperature is too high or too low based on what the weather conditions are out today but that's just one person yeah. you know and his collective knowledge understanding that whereas a dashboard would add that element into it so again you i shy away from the ai description of it but there, mm -hmm. there is you know a part of advanced programming that's you know in thought that goes into it that you don't want these parameters to go out of this range and you're going to get an indication and different color scales or other types of icons that alert you when something is out of uh, normal yep. operating range. Yep. It's very visual, I guess. Yeah. Like a dashboard brings it into very visual terms. Well, and that's, what's very fascinating when you do look into the, the science of just how we interpret information, right? We're, we're much better at understanding these graphical representations, yep. kind of where it goes in the brain and understanding it than we are with really maybe more of a language. If there was a written sequence of operations right there on the screen next to your graphic and it was right there and you could reference it and look at it, say, okay, I'm understanding it and then look at your numbers. It's going to take a lot longer than if that is kind of uh, inherently part of what your brain initially sees when you look at it. Mm -hmm. And that's the other good part of a dashboard when you're going through designing it is that with your client is that if, if somebody needs to look at it for a while to understand what it's telling them, then, you know, it needs to be redesigned and every, and people are different how they want to look at things. But I agree. So this is going, going to be probably a pretty tough question to answer, but like, what is the cost premium? Like say I'm, I'm, and I know it happens, a dashboard doesn't necessarily happen with new construction, right? I get that. But say I'm putting in a brand new BMS system, you know, all new DDC, fancy controls, life is good. And say I want, okay, and I also want an energy dashboard. But could you describe like maybe what that percentage premium is to, to add the dashboard or anything like that? Like just to get an understanding of, I don't know, what, what it might cost to do a dashboard compared to, you know, the whole scope of a project or anything. I don't know. Tough question. It is. Okay. I don't, maybe you can't answer it because it, it well, varies. I get it. It varies. There's a lot it, of different. It absolutely does vary. It, although, I mean, taking a step back, the, you know, uh, let's see, about 10 years ago, we did a project that had about 20,000 data points, hardware points. Mm-hmm. Uh, connected and wasn't backnet. So all the data was exchanged using OBDC. It took longer to program. 
tag, setup, but the analytic functions were very strong. That project was a couple hundred thousand dollars back then. Mm -hmm. So now you could probably do the same job for less money, assuming there were open protocols and there are many more standards or many more high functioning dashboards available that are that are already out there and constructed and would require less build from scratch and more modification of what's already constructed. So in some cases, it's would I put an energy dashboard on a 10,000 square foot building? Probably not. Right. You, because the overhead costs of just the application software mm -hmm. and communication and so on, it drives up the cost per square foot. But I get over a hundred to 200,000, maybe 300,000 square feet. There's value to having some level of dashboarding. Mm -hmm. Just like the federal government says, every building over 300,000 square feet should have an energy manager resident in it. It right. doesn't always happen, yeah. but an energy dashboard supports the energy management and function to the point where it is a valuable tool. Maybe you don't hire somebody, but if I have an energy dashboard that a qualified person is looking at, at least you have a real time, as Nick said, nowadays, it's instead of six months later or three months later, you're getting real time information. So, you know, when something starts to go out of its lane, you can correct immediately versus letting it happen for 30 days and then saying what happened. And the one thing about costs, I think Clayton is that there, I don't know, any references besides the immediate past, you know, are, are probably outmoded to some, to some degree. I mean, I think this technology changes. So, so much that, you know, if you're looking at what did it cost five years ago to do a dashboard compared oh, yeah. to three years ago, or mm -hmm. like I said, it, it's just amazing working on the, the back end of the, on the data analytics side. I mean, it is just staggering, you know, the changes, the time it used to take to maybe design a simple visualization and put it someplace where you want it to stay. Mm -hmm. Now it's just, uh, yeah, it's not even a thought. Well, and, and this is, as I said, you know, the out the, the inception of dashboards, as much of the HVAC control industry is, is an outfall of the process world. And when we did work for General Electric, you know, had the opportunity to work for some very well-run facilities. And a guy told me, he said, and I asked him, you know, how he keeps track of it. And they had fully automated a dashboard using uh, industrial PLCs and an industrial uh, man machine interface. And I said, so, so Joe, what prompted you to do this? And he said, look, in my business, I spend 5 million a year on energy. And if I wait for the bills to come in, that's like driving a battleship by watching the wake. Mm. It's a good analogy. Yeah, absolutely. And that could be the single most important, I guess, uh, advantage of a dashboard i'm just kind of thinking here but that like you said you don't have to wait you can get those see those responses instantaneously or what what is actually going on out there to make a change before yeah it's too late to overcome it right so moving forward then to the energy like the, we talked about the energy dashboarding and being able to uh bring in all these metrics and you could do a whole bunch of like, what if scenarios, right? Like I could say, well, what if 
I don't know. I, I did a, a hot water reset, right? Or brought my space temperature down in the wintertime or, you know, did a discharge air reset. They, there's a whole bunch of what-if scenarios. And those are simple ones that can be very that's – a, that's a program implementation, right? I just changed my programming to do that. But do you see energy dashboards um, really helping to, to jumpstart future projects? You mean, do they help to jumpstart future projects? Well, they, I, they do. Like they have the tools too. but like, do you, do you often see that in industry? Like someone says, well, I use my energy dashboard to start this pro you know what I mean? (laughs) Obviously I understand the energy dashboards. They have the capability, you know, we can, we can do a bunch of what if scenarios. Like I said, you can, what if I do a um, hot water reset or a discharge air reset or change my space temperature? And those implementations, if you do the what if, are it's a programming change. So that's pretty easy. But do you often see, you know, I think in dash in a properly built and designed dashboards, you can do what ifs for like mechanical equipment changes and stuff like that, right? Like, do you see facilities, facilities managers, financial people using those tools to their fullest extent to actually like kickstart projects to start? So what we see is a is a again, a spectrum where small changes, set point changes, mm-hmm. strategy changes. Uh, yes, we see uh, facilities being proactive. And if the what if scenario says this is what it will do, make some modifications, determine if, if the positive result is achieved. And if so, leave it in place. And if not, well, maybe we need to rethink our drink. What we also see, though, is that it would be a practical impossibility to scrutinize large scale systemic retrofits without validation by either an internal or external source. So we see oftentimes that there's a, Hey, we we think based on the energy dashboard results that doing this major retrofit would probably have an impact and usually looking for validation by third party. Right. a narrow scope energy audit, and mm-hmm. those kinds of things. That happens more. Let me back up a little, uh, one second, Clayton. When you were talking about the what if scenarios, yeah, uh, I don't want to give the impression, I guess, that that's necessarily built into every energy dashboard. And, and when I was thinking about that earlier, I know you're probably we, right. We can build in, you know, let's say different rate structures or something Mm -hmm. or escalation of utility rates and look at, well, what would this cost me if my rates were this? But when you talk about making a change to a zone temperature and trying to see what your total energy consumption for the year may be, I think that's a different level of of modeling and simulation capabilities. Uh, You're right, Nick, and you are 100% right. They're not built into every dashboard and typically when we specify that it's at the request of someone who's really being proactive and mm-hmm. has a good facilities team and they have the skill set to be able to provide the inputs into what in a few instances has been an offline uh, excel based modeling tool you know very rudimentary modeling tool but it will give you an order of magnitude of here's how big the impact could be I, I don't think that's uh it, it's not really costly and it's a great engineering tool, both for uh, training and for 
rough order of magnitude identification of opportunities. No, agreed. And, and the Clayton's first point about that, I mean, I think that uh, any tools available like this would, would definitely support the case of, you know, let's say for making the case of, uh, you know, chiller plant modernization, if, mm-hmm. you know, you have easily accessible data and you can see the trend of increasing KW per ton over time, I think that would help make the case. Not to say that you cannot do that without an energy dashboard, but it definitely, uh, I don't know, maybe can help focus the attention on those items that are most important to what matters to the facility and the owners. Well, it probably helps facilitate those questions to be asked too. When you certainly, can, you know, yeah. that's where a good part of the dashboard is. Oh, what if, you know, makes you think maybe when you're looking at it as a chart graph. I don't know anything. I don't know. It might spark those what if questions. So, well, that's, and that was a good point, Nick, saying that, that, yeah, the dashboards I have experienced have had that, but that doesn't necessarily hold true for every dashboard. That, I guess, is more of a uncommon thing than a common but, thing. Going back to what Nick said, most dashboards have built-in rate structure comparison tools. Yeah, okay. And we see a, a lot of... Uh, facility managers slash financial folks modeling various rate structures with their energy dashboards. I mean, that happens a lot. So maybe you already answered my next question then, but like, would you say as a, you know, professionally industry energy professionals, do you guys think that these dashboards are underutilized? in I need a clarification on the question. Okay. Do you mean, (laughs) well, no, I'm, I was going to just say yes. Yeah, that's what I was hoping to hear. I don't know. That was the answer I expected. (laughs) You mean that there are not enough dashboards installed or that once a dashboard is installed, it is underutilized? Well, golly, I think I have two questions now, but (laughs) um, I want you to answer both of them. Oh, okay. Uh, Nick, do you want to answer one? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think my answer stays the same. I, I do think they, there could be more utilization. And again, I, I agree with Mark. You're not going to put them in every building. Yep. Uh, definitely the technology is there. The information is there. The data, chances are, is already there as well. So I do think they are underinstalled in today's f- facilities. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I'm less uh, certain on the other one. I, I don't I don't know to that degree. I know the ones that I'm involved with. They're certainly utilized and uh, used. So I don't know about once they have them in there, how how often they're neglected after a certain period of time. Mark can probably talk about that more. And before he does, I'm just going to chime in. I think the two that I have been involved with, I I maybe I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that they're not too well utilized. So yeah, Mark, go ahead. So, so I agree with Nick, and especially you know with the advent of the cloud, uh, IoT, software as a service technologies, the cost to utilize a dashboard or install it. it actually, you don't necessarily install it. To right. the the cost to connect to a dashboard has come down so considerably that if you really if you have significant energy consumption and you're focused on reducing it or controlling it, there's 
I can't overstate the value of a dashboard, especially in terms of present presentation of data to financial entities within the organization. Mm -hmm. As far as the um, installed energy dashboards being underutilized, I think that runs the full spectrum where the dashboards become full-time dust collectors mm -hmm. or are daily use uh, machines. And it's entirely dependent on the user commitment, experience, training, and needs. Well summarized. So what you're saying is they kind of end up being extremes. You either use it or you don't. Yep. Yeah. And unfortunately, we go back to the generations uh, within a building. Energy manager one is installed during the, the you know, initial phase of the energy dashboard uses the daylights out of it for three or four months. It starts to lose its luster. Other priorities come into place. Now it has a, you know, layer one of the dust on it. The software starts to go out of date. Energy manager two comes in uh, three years later, the machine is turned off or it's, it's no longer, you know, the security's no longer valid, the, the internet security, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. uh, just to get it back up and running takes CPR at some level. Mm -hmm. They do it, maybe they don't. And by generation three, it's a forgotten entity until somebody that maybe has um, been involved from the beginning says, hey, what about that energy dashboard? In which case, you know, it's either completely obsolete or uh, needs to be you know, upgraded and, and brought back to life. So, I, th I mean, it's really is is the user committed and in some cases they really are i mean you mm -hmm. look at large facilities airports campuses um yeah they use them mm -hmm. and also where there's an opportunity for uh public facing portals to be able to show energy performance and those kinds of things and, and the company or the organization is committed to it that's valuable as well i like it well put uh, and then kind of my, my parting question, I think, I think this one's definitely Mark, you, you know, you can chime in, but I'm gearing this one towards Nick are the, do you in the M and V world? And I know what was our M and V podcast? Was that in energy or commissioning? No, it probably touched upon it in both. Yes. So we did do a podcast just completely specific to the M and V phase. I got, I think that was our energy one, but for what it's worth, if you haven't listened to that, listen to that one. But do you like, do you in the M and V phase, if there's a dashboard, utilize it? Is that a tool? Is that something you don't trust because you don't know who did it, who did any of this, you know, aggregation of data? Is it true? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I would say it's 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 not used, at least in my experience, that often, and not because it's not trusted. I would say because uh, usually we're going to the source of the information, that that raw data. Right. Okay. Yep. Uh, now, I guess when you first started asking the question, I'm thinking about in the ongoing management, and I would I would say can it should it's not used as often as as it should be or or could be. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you talk about, like you said, the, you know, the, wor the worst thing when you work with measurement and verification, and we've touched upon it before is, you know, waiting till the end of the quarter or heaven forbid, the end of the year and looking at the data 
because then there's no hope to recover. Right. right? Zero. Yeah. And worse, then you come to your customer and you tell them this report and say, hey, something really bad happened, you know, 10 months ago. We're yeah. just talking about it now. So it's, it's bad all around. So it's the same thing we, we kind of touched about today that, you know, they can allow you to make decisions quicker. And, and Mark said, you know, notice when things are going out of their lane, so to speak, and out of their, their acceptable range that you can make adjustments and uh, get the MNV back on track or the performance back on track. But I would say most times the dashboard itself is not relied on for the verification. That makes sense. It, it, it could be more relied on for con, continuous commissioning, I guess, if you wanted to. And I would that. say the the day-to-day management. I mean, often yes, yes. measurement yeah. and verification is not so much focused on yeah. that. There's people at the facilities that are doing that. So, mm-hmm. again, you know, you couple that with a strong you know, project that everybody's geared towards, you know, they understand what the, the outcomes that we're looking for and they're looking for as well, then that's just another great tool for the on-site facilities people or, or even remotely to manage their, their buildings and systems on a, on a day-to-day basis. I, I think in a small percentage of cases, they are used and typically uh, it's not necessarily in an ESPC contract, but more in uh, private or public facilities that are doing their own energy conservation projects. And, and actually, the dashboard has become a facilitator to identify and uh, install their own projects. And then it, it is beneficial, as we talked about in the MNV podcast, for them to do MNV. So when somebody comes back and says, Did this work? Did it meet our objectives? They can say, Yes, and here's the uh, comparison numbers to show performance pre and post retrofit. So it's basically when they don't want to have a you know third party M and V, and they're not necessarily um, yeah. scrutinizing the right avoidance at the same level. There's no contractual obligation, but are they using it for internal comparison? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that I think makes that's sense. a great application. You're right. Then, yep. then instantly, every month, every quarter, mm-hmm. you essentially have your M and V report there, and that's something we really there is a a big advantage of all this data automation into uh, reducing cycle times on on knowing what the performance was. And there's not a lot of good reasons to wait, you know, sixty, ninety, hundred and twenty days to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, guys, I think we covered a whole lot about energy dashboarding today. What do you think? I'm excited. I, I want one. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> no, I I think we did a great job, covered what how they work, what they do, kind of the good, bad, how they're utilized. I don't know. We I just we we covered a lot. Um and I think we'll wrap this podcast up here. So you guys are great. Thank you very much for all of your input. And listen for to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. So our next episode, we'll be keeping it in the energy spectrum, talking about tools utilized in the energy audit and what are some of the best tools for that job. So tune in for that one. It's going to be a, a really interesting episode. And for more information on us, check out our websites, www.vsenergy.us or www.appliedfacilitiescience.com. 
So thanks a lot. Have a great day, guys.